Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We're so glad you're with us because this is a place where we want you to experience a grace that heals. That grace is very real to me, and I know it is to you, Joel. And so today we're going to talk about um, what it's like to die to an old life right, and to move on to a new life. Exactly. Um, because one of the things you and I have both found when people are in the process of either reevaluating the performance-based religion or looking seriously at transitioning out of that is fear is probably the single biggest emotion that people experience. And it's often the fear of what is my life going to look like if I move forward? Almost like a rubber band kind of pulling you back. Move a little forward and then something pulls you back. Move a little forward and something pulls you back. Not unusual for someone to get six months down the road going a new direction and then for fear to completely paralyze them or to bring them back. So here's a kind of an interesting thing that comes to mind. There was a woman in, I think she was in Eastern Washington that had given her life to Jesus. She was probably two years into this new life. Okay. But her performance-based parents lives close. Her husband's performance-based parents lived close and her husband was not willing to move on from performance-based religion. And even after two years of Bible study and loving the Lord and moving ahead, all of a sudden I didn't hear from her anymore. Wow. And the woman who had been studying the Bible with her and mentoring her told me that she simply went back. The pressure was just too much in her life with particularly the parents. always asking her to come back, right? Right. And judging what kind of a parent she was because she wouldn't come back. And so these are things that our people deal with that I dealt with. Absolutely. And while I haven't dealt with personally, um, because I've never been part of a performance-based religion, at least not like some of the ones we're talking about, I've certainly experienced that in my own life and upbringing to some degree. But with the people that I've worked with as well over the last 30-some years is this, I'm afraid of what might happen if I totally, truly cut, like you said, that ru- I like that rubber band analogy, where because there's a certain amount of give, you can make so much progress, but if I cut the ties, I'm so afraid of what that's going to look like. So do you have stories of people who have done that and actually maybe found that the fear of the unknown is actually greater than the actuality, I mean, than what happens. Well, here's another one that comes to mind. Helped a a young woman out of performance-based religion in Southern California. She she and her husband 
they had left performance-based religion, become atheists, and one night okay. they wanted to watch a movie, and so she sent her husband out to get a movie, and she said to him, I'm sick of the filthy language and the R ratings, just bring home a nice family movie. <laughs> so he finds this movie called Fireproof. Okay. <laughs> wow, there we go. Kirk Cameron Christian movie yes. that presents the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the Bible. And she said, my husband and I went to bed that night and... I could tell he was still awake, I was still awake, but neither of us were going to talk about what we had just experienced. As I recall, she said, maybe in the middle of the night, finally one of us said, um, did that affect you at all? And they said, I rocked my world, right? Yeah. So now you've got a young couple formerly in performance-based religion, but then their family's still in performance-based religion kick in realizing yeah. they're not just inactive anymore. Yeah. These guys are going another direction, and that's the really scary thing for the families. So this woman was in her 30s with young children, and her mother was still calling her every day of her life. Now, I, I don't know how common that is in Christian families, but in the culture where I came from, in performance-based religion, somewhat common, right, for adult parents mm -hmm. to be very involved in their kids' lives and sometimes to have opinions about their kids' <laughs> yeah. lives. Sometimes strong opinions. Yeah. And so this woman, talk about the uh, rubber band whipping back and forth. Right. She would be strong in the Lord and in the Word, and then her mother would cry to her for an hour, and then she'd be doubting again. And then, yeah. and so it was back and forth for quite a while. And I remember saying to her, why not set boundaries on this relationship if it's not healthy at this moment? Right. So why not say to mom, love to talk to you every Sunday afternoon, but during the week I'm raising my kids, you know, I have other concerns, I'm really busy, I do love you, I'll call you even. Because that daily people giving their opinions right. was so relationally difficult right. that yeah. often I find people are being drawn by the biblical Jesus and they'll just say, I give up, right? This is too hard. Right. My family relationships are more important to me, so I just, I just give up. Right. And it's interesting because when you look at the Bible all the way through Scripture— you have a pattern that tells us what to do. It starts in Genesis with, with the whole marriage covenant, mm. the leaving and cleaving. Yeah. This is one of the things that my wife and I have said with, with all eight of our children, five of them are now married, and it's like, here's what you guys need to know. When you marry, and we had four sons, four daughters, so we had both sides, your primary relationship is now your husband or your wife and Absolutely. your family you need to cut the apron strings. And Genesis says, uh, you know, a man will leave his mother and father and will cleave unto his wife. The two will become one. And so right there, you've got this idea, okay, no, this parental involvement, there needs to be some healthy boundaries. But then Jesus picks yeah. up on it later. And Jesus says, regarding following him, kind of the same idea. Come follow me, you know, leave behind mother and father, and he said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow 
and looks, looks back, back is, is not, not fit for the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. Mm. And I think, and I don't think he's saying that to be mean. I don't think he's saying that to be controlling. I think Jesus says that because he knows our human nature. He knows our fleshly fallen tendencies will always be to second guess him, to second guess God. And he's saying, don't do that because when you do that, when you take your eyes off me, when you look back, you lose that contact, you lose that connection with me. And so I'm saying this because this is for your own good. This is how you're going to see the blessing of the kingdom and the blessing of a relationship with me. And, and you've just hit on one of the major differences between the performance-based religion that I came from and biblical faith. In biblical faith, your number one relationship is between yourself and God. Right. You have a personal relationship there, and you turn to God when you have questions and issues, and you turn to God's Word for answers. In the performance-based religion I came from, you tended to to go to other church members, right? Um, Church members with authority who could give you answers to your issues. Or even adult parents, right? Someone Mm -hmm. else who was in the church would have the answers for you. I don't remember being told necessarily to make God the number one relationship. So the the drastic <laughs> thing that I would read in the New Testament was that it's so important that he be your number one relationship that even if family relations or neighbor relations or work relations break over Right. Your and you and Jesus being tight, um, those things matter less. Right. It's more important that God is first. And that's a whole new way to think, right? Yes, absolutely. So as you're leaving performance-based religion, all those relationships that meant so much to you might be breaking up, and yet the God... The God of the Bible says, that's actually okay. I came to bring a sword. (laughs) Yes. And and that I would divide families and that that's the way it works sometimes. But I still need to be your number one. So Micah, when he um, had to go before his mission president, who was um, wanting to ask Micah exactly what he believed after he— And this is your son, Micah Wilder. So people know what Michael, Michael we're talking Wilder about. Wilder came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, became born again while serving a Mormon mission. And so his leaders suspected that he was not believing uh, his performance-based religion anymore, and they called him in for an inquisition, his mission president. Um, he said before he went into that meeting, he was scared to death because— if he professed faith in a God of grace and not in the church he'd come from, he might lose everything. He might lose his parents. He might lose his girlfriend. He might lose his scholarship at Brigham Young. He'd he'd lose all these things. And yet he was in the Word pondering before this uh, inquisition, and he came upon Matthew 29, 19. 
which says um, if you're not willing to leave father, mother, land, or homes for my sake, right? That right. You need to be willing to give those things up right? to follow Jesus. And as we know from Micah's story, that actually became the key that totally set him free because when he made that choice... yes. To do that, to say, okay, Jesus, I am following you at all costs. Cost me what it may cost me. There is nothing that's more valuable to me than you. And this, again, I think, is like you say, it's so different from any performance-based religion Mm. out there where the primary connection, the primary value, the primary loyalty is to the organization. It's to the church. It's to the organization. It's to the group. Or maybe it's to the top leaders or the group of leaders. How... But still, the loyal, the absolute loyalty is not to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not to God. And when you make that happen, then it's like you set in motion God's ability to work and start bringing about changes that you could have never have envisioned. Yeah, there's great freedom in making a decision and not looking back. Right. In cutting that tie. And in, in a sense, it reflects, I mean, and what Jesus is saying is, this reflects a trust in me. This reflects that you trust me as a loving God, as a, as a God of grace, as a relationship with me that's based on my grace and my giving to you. You trust me enough to put all this in my hands, whatever the outcomes are. And very often, yeah. really cool things start to happen from that point. Sometimes that like releases <laughs> a flood, and maybe not immediately, but I'm guessing you've got stories of people who have made, who said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to. And we know in Micah's case, he made that choice. And as a result of that, you know, his whole family comes to Christ. I mean, you come to Jesus largely as a result of Micah's making that choice even before he even came home. And challenging us to read the Word. Right. That was the challenge that changed my life. You know, it's it's like an umbilical cord, right? You're getting your nourishment from one place. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if you're going to turn another direction and no longer get your nourishment from that old place, there has to be a complete death. There's actually scripture that right. says... A kernel of wheat has to fall to the ground and die Die. before new life can begin, before this um, new plant begins to grow. Right. Now, how do you, how does this death and life process happen? Um, Well, some people might think, well, I get rebaptized, and so that causes new life and death. For some folks, maybe. Sometimes that step of baptism, that act of obedience, does in a way trigger that, that going public, yeah. But that's not always the case. Not always the case. I've seen a lot of different um, ways that people have allowed that dying and rebirth to happen. Um, I read one time that a, a woman had given up her membership officially um, taken it to church headquarters and then left the building and literally vomited. And wow. she said for her it was if as if she were purging the old and beginning the new. 
and and for her that was symbolic right and allowed her to move on god is so awesome because he works with people personally yes yesterday while we were talking right i received a text message from a gentleman who's been struggling to leave performance-based religion raised catholic went into mormonism has now decided he needs to move on and read the word. He was in Nauvoo, Illinois. Okay. <laughs> and he had traveled to Nauvoo on purpose, symbolically, to say goodbye to Joseph Smith. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Joseph Smith's grave is there. So I guess he probably visited the grave and, said, and literally said, said I am Joseph. done with this. I am moving on. Wow. And I think that can be I think that can be a very powerful time. But I do think it's important that people realize it is a death. You are putting to death something. You are letting something die. You are willing to let maybe certain relationships die and go. And not that we ever want that. And I guess one thing that I would hope people wouldn't hear is okay, if you come to Christ, if you're leaving performance-based religion, you need to be the one to cut ties with everybody that's in the past. Mm. No, that no. What you do is you say, I will not let any of those relationships keep me from being a wholehearted follower of Jesus. I will do everything in my power to keep those relationships healthy, to keep the door open so they know I love them, I want to be in a relationship with them. But even if they cut me off... And I have heard heartbreaking stories of people, and I've had people comment to me that that their mom or their dad said to them when, and they didn't even, I mean, they simply said, I just, I don't believe in like the founder of our performance-based religion. I don't believe that some of our core teachings match up with the Bible. I love Jesus with all my heart. And they've had their parents say to them, I would have rather you become a Satanist then you become a born-again believer, that you become a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Right. It's both sad, because here, for the most part, these performance-based religious groups at least pay lip service to Jesus. They talk about loving Jesus, and that he's their savior, and, and they follow him, and yet when their child or when somebody in their family says, guess what, I'm going totally after Jesus, he's now my number one relationship, the organization isn't, at that point, all that changes, and it's like, no, we would rather you become an atheist than you become a wholehearted, passionate follower of Jesus Christ that would allow you to cut ties with the organization. Joel, do you know who Richard Dutcher is? Yes, I do. Richard Dutcher. He's, he's a filmmaker. That and, went to Brigham Young University, right? right? And produced God's was Army. LDS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his last God's Army movie was called States of Grace. And in that is, oh, I love that movie. If you can find the movie States of Grace, it, it okay. is definitely worth watching. It's about an LDS missionary that finds interest in a girl down okay. the hall in an apartment building while on his Mormon mission. And he ends up being sent home from his mission, right, for discretions. And his father says the famous line, I'd rather you come home in a pine box 
then not finish your LDS mission honorably. This young man is so taken by the fact that his father won't even come to get him off his mission. His mother has to come. That he tries to commit suicide. Wow. And at the end of the movie, there's this wonderful idea about forgiveness and grace, right? Yeah. Where's that in the pine box comment? Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely worth seeing, but also to think about the whole idea of forgiveness and grace and relationships. Um, certainly this new God of the Bible yes. is a God of reconciliation, a God of grace, a right. God of forgiveness. We're all wretched people. Right. And like you were saying to me before we started this, very often if a person is willing to take a stand if they're willing to cut that tie with their friends, with their family, and say, you know what, no. And to do it with incredible respect and I think incredible grace. It's not something you do with anger or with hardness. Mm-hmm. You do it with incredible compassion and grace, but you say, you know what, no. I am going to make this choice. I am firm. It doesn't matter how much you cry, how much you try to manipulate me, how much you threaten me, how much you Tell me ice I'm going them. to hell? Right. That's another... <laughs> right. I put my faith in Jesus, you're going to hell, yes. Um, (laughs) But when they do that, they, in essence, set up a firm boundary that can actually be the catalyst to the other person starting to change. Oh, I so agree. I love that you said that, right? Because as long as you're a little wishy-washy about what direction you're going— then the folks who want you to come back are just going to double their efforts. Right. But if there's no wishy-washiness, and you're, you definitely know where you're headed, but you're gracious and loving, yes. but you stand in that place, yep. what I've found is family will emotionally scream for a time, (laughs) but once they know you're not moving, then they have to reorder their approach to you and their relationship to you. And often, when you stand firm, other people accept where you are, right? Yeah, they will actually honor and respect that and, and stop trying because they will realize that it's a waste of their time and energy. And, and it's going to ruin the relationship completely, probably. Right. And, and if anything, it frees them up to do something different. Because as long as they think they can manipulate you or, or coerce or somehow drag you back, like you said, they will just redouble their efforts. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you give in to your three or four-year-old in the grocery store who's <laughs> saying, I want that, and you say no, and he, he escalates and you escalate. If at any point you give in to the child... Mm, next time, he'll just be louder. Right, because next time he'll say, <laughs> okay, it took this much to do it. You know, even if she says no, I know that that boundary didn't hold. And again, I think it, it always it keeps coming back to the same thing, that intimate relational trust in Jesus. I can trust Jesus with my life. I can trust Jesus with my other relationships. I can trust Jesus with my parents who have said, I'll never talk to you again. I can trust Jesus with parents 
who, and it, and it will happen. I mean, unfortunately, there's no guarantees that following Jesus will make everything work out well. Sometimes people go for years, even decades, where... With broken family relationships. Right. Yeah. But <clears throat> is Jesus enough? Even in that, I, do we come to the point where we say, you know what? Jesus is enough. I want this back, but even if I never get it back in this life, I know that Jesus is enough and I know that that's where I will go for my sustenance, for my true life. I will draw life from Jesus. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Joel, but one day when the Adams Road Ministry, my kids' ministries, Micah's ministry, Matt and uh, Katie and Joe, when they and Lila, anyway, <laughs> go to AdamsRoadMinistry.com and find all the people. Yes. But they decided their motto would be Jesus is enough, period. Okay. So one day I tweeted out Jesus is enough, period. The official performance-based church that I came from, within seconds, immediately tweeted back, you are enough, period. Wow. And I thought therein lies the exact difference between performance-based religion and grace-based grace faith or a relationship with Jesus, right? Right. In one, everything relies on you and your works and what you have to do. And in the other, everything relies on what the Lord Jesus did for us and gave us as a free gift that we received through faith. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Um, thanks so much for sharing. We hope we hope that you, the people that are listening to us, that you are encouraged and that if you're at that point, you've said, okay, I know something that needs to die. I know a rubber band that needs to be cut. I know an umbilical gourd that needs to be severed. Feel free to call on us to pray for you and encourage you. Thank you so much. May the grace and peace of God be yours in great abundance. Yeah. Paul said that a lot, didn't he? He did. <laughs> Bye. Until next time. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.